What is the point of art? Ultimately, it's to bring glory to the artist, right? Uh, why do people want a Monet or, or a Van Gogh? Because the art that they create uh, points back and gives glory to the artist. See, in the same manner, we have a creator, the great artist, who's made everything in this world. And it's so wonderful that it can't help but give glory back to its creator. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. And then again in Psalm 56 we read, The heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. But the real glory bearers, the real creation that points to the greatness and the glory of God, is man. We are the ones made in his image. And as such, we give him the most glory. And this is why the Westminster Shorter Catechism says that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. There's this author named Dane Orland, and I think he really says it best when he says, we, when we live to glorify God, we step into the only truly humanizing way of living. You see, the, the problems we've been discussing over the past few weeks they're only solvable in light of glorifying God. Let me say it another way. This world only functions correctly when man is living to glorify God. Anything else results in crime, hatred, abuse, violence, slander, deceit, anger, vengeance, pain, hopelessness, and death. Now you might look at me right now and say, yes, I agree, man should be living to glorify God. But the disconnect happens when we try to define how one lives the glory of God. And, and I'm going to suggest that there are three main ways that we bring glory to God. The first is by obedience to Him. The second is by refusing to believe that we know best. And the third is by trusting that His way is the only way to life. We're going to look at each of these points through the lens of the Bible over the next few minutes. So the first way that we glorify God is by our obedience to Him. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is that of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, and if you remember, King Nebuchadnezzar, he, he ordered a giant golden image to be made and worshipped by the people. And, and we can read in Daniel 3, 4-7, through 7, And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples of the nations and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. The story then focuses on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were turned in for refusing to worship this idol. The king then ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than normal, and he gave them one last chance to bow down and worship his idol in obedience to him, in obedience to Nebuchadnezzar's God. And here's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, Daniel 3, 16-18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so... Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, 
and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Now, do you see what they said? We will obey our God because he will save us. But even if he doesn't, we'll still serve him. See, they they said their God will save them. But if he doesn't, that doesn't change our obedience to him. Now, you know the rest of the story. Uh, The men are saved. They are untouched by the flames. And the irony is the guards that go to throw them in, though the men actually burn up themselves. See, the actions of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego brought glory to the true God. The obedience of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego brought glory to the only true God. And the first way that we glorify God is through our obedience to Him. Even when we are staring down into the fires of this world. The second way that we bring glory to God is by refusing to believe that we know best. You know, one of the recurring themes in the Old Testament is this phrase, they did what was right in their own eyes. This phrase is almost always followed by God's judgment for Israel's sin. You look at Judges 6, 17, 6, says this, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. During this, this season for Israel, we see a rebellious and godless nation. The judges are in the land delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines, the Hittites, the Canaanites, and more because Israel falls into an almost comical pattern of thinking that they know best and that God doesn't. Now, the good news for Israel and for us is that even though we do this constantly, God still loves us. If you read the book of Judges, you will see how God always remembers his people. He's always drawing them back in um, to sit they, so that they can see what's right in his eyes. And he's always teaching them to flee what's right in their eyes. See, and this is the problem with our current social justice movements. They ultimately seek justice based on what's right in their eyes, not what's right in God's eyes. And, and sometimes those seem to line up. Right? Sometimes what, what looks good to social justice also looks good to the Christian. But ultimately it's for the wrong reasons. You see, a culture that doesn't see God as its final authority does all these things for man glorifying reasons and not for God glorifying reasons. And if this becomes our drive, then we fail to understand the purpose of being made in the image of God. We glorify God by trusting that his word is right and ours is wrong. So we said that there's three ways to glorify God, right? The first was by obedience to him. The second one was by refusing to know, think that our ways are best, that we know best. And the third way that we glorify God is by trusting that his way is the only way to life. Psalm 19, 7 through 9 says this, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous all together. You see, we can do what social justice is trying to do, 
and that's pursue man-made rules, laws, and decrees in, in the hope of attaining life. That's ultimately what social justice is trying to achieve. But the author of Psalms, King David, is making the point that only the law of the Lord is perfect. Everything else falls short. Now, over the past few weeks, we have, we have learned three things, right? We have learned that your origin determines your purpose. So it's important to know where you were created, how you were created. Now, second, we learned that where the image of God is absent, so is the value of human life. And third, we learned that when we live to glorify God, we step into the only truly humanizing way of life. And, and I want to wrap this series up by, by asking you a couple questions. The first question is this. What movements are you supporting that refuse to abide by the three ways that we bring glory for God? And why do you keep supporting them? And the second is this. How would our society look if we fought for a culture that brings glory to God? What pains and injustices would fade away?